Hey everybody and welcome to the first ever edition of Redcast Wins. I'm your host, Amanda Stevens, and with me are two of the fellow writers uh, over on Red Site Wins. We have Sean T. Patchen. Hiya. And Louis Acosta. You gotta say it boom. Hiya! <laughs> and pretty much we are all about is we're going to be mainly a cast that talks about casual. Uh, we'll cover some magic news, uh, but we're probably guessing that you guys have gotten more than enough of magic news with MT- with Monday Night Magic and the A-Team and the other like six trillion other casts that cover magic news. So you probably won't get a lot of that out of us. And you'll probably hear about me and Lewis trying to do well in standard and in Lewis's case, doing actually well in standard and me kind of only barely. Not so top- great. Yeah. Not so great. Cause I'm still trying to break my local meta with uh ghetto Janji, which I'll explain to you guys later. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off by introducing ourselves uh, starting with Sean. So Sean, why don't you tell everybody what set you started with? What format of magic you play the most? And if you were a magic card, what magic card would you be? All right. Well, uh, I started in Shadowmoor. Um, obviously, as you can tell from the writings, I play Commander or EDH, however you like to call it, uh, more than anything else, both on MTGO and in the real. Um, if I was a magic card, I would probably be Tezzeret. So. Which one? Agent of Bolas or Which the Seeker? <laughs> Uh, I'd like to be the Seeker, but I'm probably too corrupted for that, so Agent of Bolas. Ah, uh, we knew that you were you were an evil, evil man. The fact that your EDH picture, the fact that your picture on the site has you, like, hold, has your board with Nev's discs and Icy Manipulator, we just knew you were evil. That's not necessarily evil. That was just totally a mastermind. Alright, well... I'm just saying, not necessarily all right, well, um, we're going to let uh, somebody join us, and while we get him all situated, uh, Lewis, same thing. Um, I started playing back in, like, with Apocalypse was still out, and awesome set. Uh, I play just about everything, mostly on MTGO, so I play Popper, Block, and Standard just about equally. And if I was a card... I would say I am probably Fiery Gambit, because there's, there's quite a bit of, of coin flip situations in my life. Alright, and uh, just joining us is uh, Bradley. Say hello, Bradley. Hey, guys. Um, and what I'm going to ask you is, what set did you start playing Magic in? What is the format of Magic that you currently play the most? So in Sean's case, it's EDH, or Slash Commander. Uh, Lewis's case, it's competitive. Um, and then if you were a magic card, what magic card would you be? Okay. Um, first set I started in <clears throat> was the, the starter set. Um, that was, uh, I think that, that was between Apocalypse and, uh, 7th edition Odyssey around there. And, um, uh, I'm going to skip ahead to the if I were a magic card part. If I, what, would, oh, what would I be if I were a magic card? 
see. I'm not sure. Deranged Hermit? I mean, I love squirrels. So, I guess that'd be a... I'll pick that one. That seems Nut pretty collector. good. Nut Collector. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, okay, and uh, what was the second question, Amanda? Um, what uh, format of Magic do you play the most? So, like I said, Strawn plays a lot of EDH and Commander. Lewis focuses more on, like, competitive. So what type of, like, do you play casual... Ah, okay. Um, funny, right. Okay, so I mentioned to you guys before that last week I just got my Magic collection back, so that now I actually... I mean, before that I actually wasn't really playing Magic, which you might find weird for, like, hey guys, I'm designing Magic, but I'm not actually playing it. Um, uh, during the Great Design Search too, I actually was playtesting on, uh, on index cards. I even proxied mountains and such. Uh, but now that I got my cards back so far, uh, I, I've, uh, I, I found out that I don't actually have all of them back. I, I still don't play Magic now because I don't have all my lands, and I don't have all my rares. So, uh, um, but if I were to be playing, I guess it'd be casual. That's cool. Um, and I started playing, I guess effectively I started getting cards around uh, Revised, but I didn't actually start playing until uh, Marcadia block. So I started playing in and around Revised. Um, that's when I started collecting my cards. Uh, I didn't really start playing playing Magic until Marcadia Masks, which means I got to do fun things like, you know, play in an environment where Brainstorm and Counterspell were main decked, uh, and it not be called Legacy. And um, I guess the format I play most uh, would be Tribal, uh, followed by constructed, and so more competitive like Lewis. And then if I was a magic card, I would probably have to say uh, rocks, because I like to be an imposing figure on the board, beat my opponent silly, and then if you try to get rid of me, regenerate for the win. And because nobody plays you. Ouch. You know what? I don't even know why you didn't even say your why you said you aren't a squadron hawk, Lewis. I, because there's not I'm not a quadruplet. I, I don't I don't see why I'm a squadron hawk. Squadron right. hawk's way better than I am. This is this is true. I don't think any Aww. of us I don't think any of us are as good as um squadron hawk uh which speaking of squadron hawk um how many of us have heard of the deck call blade what what is this it sounds like a deck where there are birds and swords and it seems familiar sean you ever heard of call blade mm, never i just play edh i've never heard of a stoneforge mystic either never had to play it um, hey you've heard of stoneforge mystic it was in your article the door caden deck Liar. Um, yeah, he's in a few of my decks. Ah, uh, so um, I figured um because everyone else is doing it, we should weigh in on the whole ban Jace conversation. Um, so that we can actually sound like people who play Magic. Um, in my personal opinion, yeah, Jace is in every turn brainstorm. 
and pretty much gives your deck quasi-infinite number of brainstorms uh, at sorcery speed. I honestly don't feel that Jace is uh, a linchpin, though, uh, and don't think that it's going to be something that's banned. Uh, kind of like what uh, Chapin said in our in the interview on the site, is that, one, he's just... He's pretty much the franchise... He's pretty much like the franchise player of the Magic the Gathering team. Um, and it would kind of be like, you know, the Bulls banning... It would be like the NBA banning Jordan. Like, telling Jordan he'd have to retire. It would just not be good for the game. Uh, and it's also too... It also... He doesn't warrant an emergency banning, in my opinion, because it's not around the time for a scheduled banning. So that's my piece. I don't. Think, I, th- I think it's if anything you're gonna need to. I think that it's something like preordain that should be banned. Huh. So Lewis, what were you gonna say? Um, like as far as I'm concerned, Jace really doesn't need to be banned. He's great and all, but I, there's decks like against red deck wins. I have to sideboard him out because he's not like he's. If I try to cast him on turn four, I'm just dead. So there's plenty of ways to beat him. Against another control deck, yeah, you're having a Jace more and stuff, and not everyone can play Jace because, well, Jace is expensive. Yeah, but that that's not that is not the the reason cards get banned. Price is not a reason because then, you know, at what point do they draw the line? Jace is a good card. He's a really good card, but he's not he's not destroying or deteriorating any format. That's how I see it. Um, Personally, I used to be on the side of banning Jace, but after thinking about it for a while, yeah, it's never going to happen. If they really wanted to get the formatting control, I think the card to ban right now would actually be Valakit itself. Uh, You won't lose a money card at all, and the the decks that can take down Jace right now are such bad matchups against Valakit that they can't be played. Um, if they could be, uh, like if Pyromancer's Ascension could be a viable deck because it didn't lose turn four to a Valakit deck, uh, I can see Jace getting under control very quickly. But as long as both Valakit and Cobblade are in the format, it's really, really hard to keep under control. The, the with the Valakit thing, it confuses a lot of people because, well, if if it was really Valakit that was such a huge issue, then now that Callblade is so dominant, and Valakut isn't really a big part of the meta. You know, why why wouldn't the other deck shine? But it's one of those things. Even if the top tables aren't call like are just Callblade, that doesn't mean that there isn't Valakut in the in the field. And it's just it it sucks because yeah, like oh wow, you only lose in the first two rounds, but that's enough to keep you out of top eight. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, we should uh, ban Jace. Well, yeah, for a lot of the reasons that people have already stated, you know, um, you know, Val- Valakit is kind of being kept in check. With Jace and and uh, <clears throat> and, and uh, what what uh, what Chapman said before, and that Amanda agrees on with um, how Jace is such a um, beloved. Uh, you know he he's the poster child, like, and and, and it's it's not like he it's, and he's being rotated out 
um, soon anyway. So it would just be a really like a bad decision. Capital B, capital D. Um, yeah, pretty much agreeing with those those opinions there. Um. All right. Well, I just figured that if anything, it was time. It was. Uh. It would be a good move for us to weigh in because it's turned into a it's turned into a meme on the uh, MTG uh, Twitter conversations. And uh, it's getting beaten like a dead horse by a lot of people, and I figured we'd weigh in on it real quick and then kind of move on. Um, which I wanted to move on to. Uh, well, so Bradley, what were you gonna say? Um, yeah, but if I see him like you know beating an old lady in the in the, in the shopping store, I, then I might say Van Jace. So that's where we draw the line, at least for me. Oh, God. Yeah, once he starts actually beating up old ladies, I, I do agree with that one. I mean, they had to ban Skull Clamp because it was raping children, so it would make sense. If Chase started beating up old ladies, it, it would be called for. Alright, let's please, I, I, I'm so tired of the ban Jace meme. Uh, I'm kind of on the same side of uh, Brooke, who also writes for Red Sight Wins, who's been trolling that that meme and constantly messing with everyone who decides to post in it. So let's let's please no more no more Van Jake's jokes. Just just please, they they make me cry. Um, but what doesn't make me cry is NPH. And no, I'm not talking about Neil Patrick Harris, although he is phenomenal. Uh, I'm talking about new Phyrexia. Um, so I don't think that we should do the whole, like, card-by-card spoiler. Uh, what I was thinking is that we each pick a card that we like, and then work from there. So I decided that since Bradley writes about, uh, set design, that he should be first. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that sounds like a great way of deciding, especially since, um, I would like to pass it to someone else instead, and we'll get back to me. <laughs> Alright, so how about, uh, Sean, why don't you go first? Well, I always love new sets, because it means a whole bunch of new stuff for Commander, so my favorite card changes day to day. Okay. But, uh... Right now, uh, my favorite card is the card I wrote about, which is Jorkadine. Uh, it's a new multicolored general, and any time they come out with a new multicolored general, I get excited. So. Um, any other cards besides that? Like, if you had to pick, like, I don't know, like a top three, what would follow up uh, that to those? Um, Hex Parasite, uh, really, really amazing. Uh, I think it'll see, obviously, competitive play in and EDH, you get to do fun things with cumulative upkeep. So now I'm just going to throw it into a deck because it eats upkeep counters. And uh, another one that I'm excited about is just the new sword. The more I look at it, uh, the more I love it. And I love now that you can have all five swords in any EDH deck that you would so like to throw them into. So um, my I would probably as a top three, warm. Sword of War and Peace is just 
it's so amazing because that's really it. The fact that it helps you fight against the planeswalkers. Like I was play testing with one of my friends. The scene. It, even against blue black control, it just wrecked them. Because if I hit them on turn on turn four with with sort of one piece, it was usually like ten damage, and it's like at that point, I'm just I could hit them with a bunch of hawks, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, mental misstep is definitely something I know I'm going to be end up playing like the rest of my magic career. I, even like when it's in legacy, now that I'm getting into it, it's just the fact that you counter spell pierces and in standard goblin guides, lightning bolts and all that junk. It's, it's amazing to me. Now, sadly, I gotta, I gotta throw a vote towards something Smitty from the A team said. I, I think spell skite is probably going to be fairly decent. Something that, uh, PV, uh, pointed out on channel on channel fireball is that in the the S Exarch uh, Deceiver Exarch and Splinter Twin combo that's going to come out that if you just put him on him into play on turn on turn two or even if you do it with a different deck and you get the Splinter Twin just it's pretty it's pretty sick for two life you just change the target of a spell and either combo off or stop somebody from comboing. I think it might even be an option in Callblade. Just like, oh, they kill whatever you had, you were going to equip. Whoop. So. Alright. Um, so, uh, I'll go next. Uh, I think the first card I'm super excited for is Beast Within. Um, not only because I'm a... Mainly because I'm a green player. And every other color has a way to handle with Planeswalkers that doesn't revolve around beating them to the pulp. You know, black can, you know, corrupt it, or one of its various, like, deal damage to target player effects. Red can burn them out. Blue can bounce them. You know, every other color has a way of dealing with Planeswalkers that doesn't revolve with having a board presence. And now green finally gets its own variation of that. Um, and it's not a creature this time. It's not Mold Shambler. Um, uh, my next, uh, favorite card would have to be, um, uh, wow, I just lost the, I just lost where it was. Um, I actually am going to say that I do like Mirror Superion. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Mirror Superion. Um, mainly because I think he's going to explode. Um, I don't know how good he's going to be when Zendikar rotates, so I think he has a very limited op- uh, a very limited moment to uh, become phenomenal, like he has now. And if uh, Lewis, yeah, well, like I, I just think everyone should call it by Mir Superior by the German name Ubermir. Yes, I, I think that's more appropriate. Fine. Officially, from now on, on this podcast, um, it will be called Ubermir. Uh, and then I've got to say, um, everyone's talking about black decks becoming pretty much what's going to happen, like what the new good deck is going to be as a uh, mono black control. And I kind of want to see how many um, of these decks use uh, Lashrith. The uh, all of them. 
Yeah, I think he's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> he's a cheaper nightmare that doesn't fly. But with all of the, like, creature removal, he's going to make a lot more decks want to carry. Um, carry uh, one more, carry some more artifact hate. And I see him being pretty strong uh, in the near future. So um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited um, for him. And uh, I'm going to add one more card because I was scrolling down the visual spoiler to remember the actual names of Cheater. cards. Uh, sorry, I don't like memorize these things. Uh, but I also want to see people start using Isolation Cell as a, as a card against creature decks. I don't even know what card you're talking about. Uh, Isolation Cell. It is an artifact, uncommon. It's converted mana cost is four. Whenever an opponent casts a creature spell, that player that player loses two life unless he or she pays two. I wish it cost three, like Soul Barrier did, uh, which was a blue enchantment that does the exact same thing. I'm still not sure how great that card is. Which is probably why I didn't uh, didn't think, remember it. I don't like I said. I don't think it's gonna be phenomenal, but I want to see if uh, if uh, it kind of uh, makes its way in. Uh, hey, you cast it after Ubermir Uber gets cast, and it's just wasted. It's just a dead card after that. Wait. Um. So um, I want to know something though, because like I. Uh, everyone's talking about Mirror Superion, and I want to sidetrack for a second. A lot Uber of Mir. Yeah, he is a Mir. I mean Ubermir. Ubermir. Sorry, uh, I've broke my own decree. Uh, so I want to talk about Ubermir real quick because everyone's talking about Ubermir as like a new card in Valakut and a bunch of decks. When Zendikar rotates, is he only going to get casted by uh, Manamir? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you still get uh, Lanowar Elf. And uh, as I typed in our little box down there, um, ink, an activated Ink Moth Nexus can cast him. So you may have to use three mana to do it, but still three mana for that guy, for an Ubermere, pretty good. There are two two cases that I like. I think should be mentioned because like the, it's a rules aspect that if you play an Ink Moth the same turn and you try to activate it, it does have summoning sickness, so you cannot tap it for mana. So you would have to wait a turn. And then one that one scenario that is likely not often to come up, but the new Chancellor, the the Tangle that he provides a mana on your turn, he does not count as creature. When he that that mana does not count as a creature mana, so you can't cast him even if you had two of those in your hand in the beginning of the game. So wait, it doesn't. But, but wait, the ma- the mana doesn't come from him. It it does come from him, but he does not count as a creature because he's not part of the game yet. Like he's just it's just an ability. Like it it's I'm not like I'm not too familiar with it, but I've like I've just seen the rule I can't I don't know exactly how to explain it, but the fact that he's not like like until he's in part of the game as a permanent, he's he's not actually a creature. Like, well, Correct. like if you were Inquisitioning or something, if you had to search for a specific type of card, yeah. But he's, he's as a card, he's just a card. Like, you know, when whenever something, like, counterspell, it's like counter-target spell, then everything's a spell until it's on the battlefield. 
for the most part. Yeah, it has to be mana produced by creatures. So uh, for it to be produced by a creature, the creature permanent has to be in play. Yeah. So, uh, Bradley, um, sorry we kind of got sidetracked from uh, getting to you, but uh, what are the top three cards that you like in New Phyrexia? All right. Well, <clears throat> let's see. From a uh, from a Johnny point of view, not from design or anything, uh, it, the Dark Steel Relic, of course, uh, just being just being nothing and indestructible. It's like, what can I do with that? And from the Timmy Griefer, because I'm like I'm like a Timmy, but the, the, also the Griefer side, the milling. Um, some of you may know I'm a fan, fan of milling, but also it's like, how can I? It also ties into the Johnny thing. Mind Crank, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Whenever an opponent loses life, that player puts that many cards from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So it's like, well, if I'm going to do 20 points of cards, that person should already be dead. Well, maybe there's some cards, you know, maybe there's some decks out there that can actually turn that into something meaningful. Um so that gets my uh, that piques my interest there. Uh, of course, I love Karn coming back, but that's just that's just creative. Uh, as, as for design-wise, it, it's more of a, about the uh, the Phyrexian mana symbol itself uh, across all the cards. Um, it's uh, you can you can pay instead of paying a colored mana, it's it, 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 they have you pay two life, which which was interesting to me because it made me think of the the monocolor hybrids from uh, that cycle from Shadowmoor, the Flame Javelin cycle. Uh, the you, for that it was like you either can pay a red for Flame Javelin, right? For each each of those mana symbols, you can either pay a red or you can pay two colorless. And I'll, so that made me think: what is the value? Like, is the value of one colorless mana really equal to? one life, um, even though it's really, it's like a, you start out with 20 life mana, and it's, and it's a non-replenishing resource, kinda, that would, it's kind of interesting to think about that way, it makes, makes like, sacred nectar and all the life-gaining cards, uh, into, like, are these mana-gaining cards, um, that you can store in your mana pool that doesn't empty for, like, forever, which makes you think, okay, what can we do that, about that in the future, but um, with with that being, uh, you can pay one colorless. You know, it, it equal. It says that it equals one colorless to one life, and it makes me think: Did either they uh, made it a little too a little too powerful? Maybe it should have been like two point five life. I'm not sure. I haven't actually compared past cards that had some alternate um, alternate costs with colorless mana and. Uh, and uh, or, or or alternate costs with life, um, but uh, maybe they are actually equal, or maybe not. And and uh, development made it so that uh, so that it's either uh, you know um, a little too good to pay with two life. Three might have been really sucky, um, or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe uh, two maybe one life would have been. Oh, now nah, one life would have. That's just ridiculous. That's just yeah. paying one life is just ridiculous. All right. So that's the, those are my thoughts about the hybrid mana symbol there. All right, um, I actually really uh, like the idea of um, of 
Phyrexian mana, and uh, it's because I think it's going to really change the way people play the set in Limited. Um, so, how many of us are going to the pre-release? Don't we all speak at once? So, Sean, are you going? I'm definitely going. Lewis, I know you're kind of running a pre-release. No, I can't. Like the the local game store I'm helping out uh, did not get to core status before, like while I was eligible to do the pre-release. So we're just doing the release next week, where we're putting up a Jason Mind Sculptor as for first place if 16 people show up. All right. Um. Okay. Uh, Bradley, are you going? No, I'll be cheering you guys on from the sidelines. Okay. Uh, that. Sad face. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sad, too. Uh, what's this three scars, three NPH thing, Sean? As you were talking uh, about. Yeah, for, for the pre-release sealed, uh, instead of doing two packs of each, they're going to give us uh, three packs of scars and uh, three packs of Neil Patrick Harris. Um, <laughs> so... Which is exciting, because he's hilarious. But uh, I think it's just to try to give you more of the the new set. Um, Is that official? Like, I didn't hear that. That's official. It is. Wow. It is official. Um, The other reasoning I heard behind it was there was so much poison in in the second set that they didn't want everyone just to be uh, playing, you know, black-green decks. So they wanted it to be more balanced, and the sets uh, with three packs of scars and three packs of the new set uh, actually gives you more of a chance to either play Metalcraft or Phyrexian. Well, so are they just completely then saying, hey, we made Battlecry, goodbye? Well, if you actually look at it, though, because of Phyrexian mana, the being doing normal damage is probably better now anyway, even without Battlecry. And, like, the Battlecry creatures weren't that great in limited. Uh... I I guess you're right. I I mean, um, I I happen to I happen to find it a pretty interesting um, mechanic and limited, but maybe that's just because it worked out for me in the drafts I was doing to do. Well, see, that's different in draft and then in sealed. So uh, you you're right. Sealed, you have driver, yeah. Sealed, you're not gonna be able to pull in enough metalcraft. I mean, uh, wow, enough um, battle cry to make it effective. You're gonna get like what two, two battle cry dudes maybe. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you pull the right battle cry, you're still gonna play it. And uh, with three packs of scars, you're more likely to pull battle cry creatures. Um, Wait. It's I think fun. that's one of. The... So. All right. Um. So. My first impression of this, I'm like scrolling up and down the visual spoiler right now, trying to like prep myself because I'm doing a midnight draft tomorrow so I've been like listening to limited resources and like starting to memorize the cards and like so I know like this is this this is better than this card who thinks that blue is just gonna be dirty in limited um is there it's already actually pretty good like the only thing is that the, the cards you take like the strong cards you, you, like it's three or four cards in blue, so it doesn't have a lot of people can't play it. 
like one or two players max. It was like how Green Black in fact only supported two people in in Triple Scars draft. So you just have to grab the blue cards and force blue if you're if you're gonna play it. Yeah, I'll be forcing blue. It's come on, it's magic. It's the best color, right? Um, yeah. I, I think with. With this draft, what's going to be interesting is you're going to have everybody playing some blue cards and everybody playing some black cards uh, because of the new Phyrexian mana. Yeah. Like, when you when you see that minus five, minus five uh, card that you can pay one mana and four life for, regardless what colors you're in, I, I think you just take that, regardless of what you're, what's in your deck. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. probably going to take Tezzeret's Gambit if I see it, because it pretty much says three mana, pay two life, draw two cards. I don't care if it's a sorcery. Drawing Not to mention what, like the other benefits you get from from proliferating. Like, yeah, like can you imagine him plus like, which is one of my favorite things to draft in um, in Scars Limited is uh, is uh, an Octavio Tide. I seem to get that like it's my job, and that plus Icarat plus Tezzeret's Gambit seems like win games. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, Tezzeret's Gambit, all you have to do is think about, uh, would you pay three colorless for a Sign in Blood that has Proliferate on it? Yes. And really, who wouldn't? I'm, I mean, I would pay three colorless for Sign in Blood. So exactly. I would definitely play three colorless for Sign in Blood plus Proliferate. No questions asked. I don't know about you guys, but if I were drafting, I'd go Infect. That all the way. But that's just... Uh, that's just me being marrow, I guess. Um, you know, like in fact, like when it comes to draft, you know what? I I can I can see that infect is is pretty darn strong, but in the sealed without besieged, I think the being aggressive is is a lot better. There's just you you know like. So, the Phyrexian mana just changes everything because it actually makes it so much harder to draft in the first pack because your colors aren't necessarily your colors. So, oh, so many people are going to like draft all your blue cards and then you're going to be like, okay, I guess I'm white, and then draft the white cards and it's like, oh, I'm going to kill somebody. Like Porcelain Legionnaire or something, that's not a white card. That's an everybody's card. Yeah. Um, with with the, the new Sealed... Uh, I think it's the same thing as when you were drafting Old Sealed. If you're really going to be Infect and Sealed, you're going to know it. You're going to be opening all the Infect bombs and everything. Otherwise, you can't do it. And chances are there's going to be even fewer people doing Infect now, especially during the pre-release and release. Yeah, I mean, I've watched people like my student, like uh, our gaming club on campus did a free draft that was um, Besieged Scar Scars like it's supposed to be. Um, And... There were some people who, I guess, did like some last-minute checking up because they haven't played Standard in a while, and were like, oh, I guess you just force Infect. And when you force Infect in Limited, it can backfire pretty hard because those dudes just don't have enough power. And if your opponent has like a Perilous Mirror, like an Auroch Replica, like any, any bit of chump blocking... It's just over if you don't have the bombs. Like, I don't know. Even Decimator Web helps Infect get there in Limited. Like, you need a bomb to make Infect work. What's What do you think is the first card? What's the card you most want in Limited right now? Sean, what's the first card you want 
right now? Like you would you would want to open in limited right now? Uh, for draft or for sealed? Uh, for sealed. Followed by draft. For sealed. Um, I would probably go with uh, the molten steel dragon. Um, I just dropping him on a turn four is so insane. But uh, if I'm drafting, I definitely want to see the Sword of War and Peace because you don't commit to colors and you know you're going to have a good deck right off the bat. Yeah. Um, Bradley, I know you're not going to do the pre-release, but like if you were to draft, um, if you were to draft right now, uh, what card in New Phyrexia do you want first? Oh, man. Uh, like if let's you- see. <clears throat> well, okay. Uh, no, okay. My my answers are always from they're they're never really uh you know uh what do you call it competitive geared like I wouldn't go and have or like a favorite type of strategy towards winning type of thing. I'm like the kind of person that back when it was when uh, there were they brought Battle of Wits in a core set. I was like I want to open Battle of Wits because I want to take all those basic lands and fill them in. Just so I can see if it works. Uh, and I mean, I, I even you, you remember the card Grim Reminder? Yeah. From Meriden. Right, Grim Reminder. Uh, I, I that 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 card was like, all right, so I need to have my opponent have drafted a same copy of the card that I drafted. So my strategy during drafting Grim Reminder was uh, to draft to ne- to never draft the same card twice. And note which cards are being passed, and see and make sure I prioritize ones that I've already seen that were passed, and and pick those to make sure I have the copy. And it turned out that in uh, um, in each of my games that I played, I won the first game, and then the second game, um, in each of those, I saw that there was a card that matched one in my deck. Um, I'm not. I think I pulled off Grim Reminder once, uh, but yeah. So. With that said, in New Phyrexia, um, it, I mean, I want to make that milling, milling life thing work, but I'm not sure how yet. I haven't really figured that out when limited. Um, but, I mean, and then I don't want to say Karn, because I don't want to be an ass and be like, hey, I'm just going to restart the game. <laughs> and then, uh, then it goes to time. Uh, so, I mean, Unwinding Clock seems pretty cool. I guess I would have to go and figure out what kind of limited deck I can make beforehand, and then then that and then the key card in that deck, like maybe like a combo deck, right? And then go and hope I get past the rest of the pieces. All right. That's what I would do. All right. So um, I kind of want to say that I want one of the splicers so that everyone knows what those are. The like. Uh, I don't want to call them a tribe, but they're the dudes that come into play and they bring in a 3-3 golem with you, uh, with them, and then they give golems some form of an ability, so, like, Sensor Splicer gives them Vigilant, so on and so forth. But, um, then I was listening to Connolly and them talk about it on Monday Night Magic, I think, two weeks ago, and they were just talking about how awful most of them are, so, I mean, be a good magic player and say I'm going to try and avoid them. And the the white rare one is good. The yeah, one, one that makes it three, three and it costs three. Costs three gives you four power. 
Uh, I think in limited they're actually pretty good. Um, I mean, they give you two creatures for their mana cost, and most of, the, most of them are efficiently costed enough that you'll want them. But the actual card I'm looking for, and I'm happy he's a common, is Suture Priest. I think he's going to be dirty and limited, and I'm hoping because he's a common that since it's going to be triple, uh, that's going to be triple uh, NPH, that I'll be able to get enough of them to make them really broken. Some Somebody was talking about... Uh, I- on Twitter, his name is T Zerreal. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, like, it's he, he, I've been talking to him too. He he's uh, mentioned that uh, a way to fight the Deceiver Exarch combo is you play Suture Priest, so if they 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 can't kill you because they can't make enough without dying. Oh wow, that actually works. But I'm not. I mean, it's probably gonna be a two of in my uh, Ghetto Janji deck in my sideboard. Because it lava spikes squadron hawks, and it will anyone who tries to pull that combo off on me is just going to probably cry. Yeah, there's actually a guy at my store right now who uh, is putting back together Soul Sisters because of that card, and uh, I've been testing against it a little bit, and it is super annoying to fight. He gains so much life so quickly. I mean, uh, it, it really, it's the missing sister, so... I've got to say, I think that that, not even just that alone, I think that that might become a Metalcraft deck. Like, you, you, you run Soul Sisters, but you run maybe, like, a quest um, shell in it. But that's just me. I don't play decks like that, because they're a little too combo-y for me. And I'm pretty bad at combo, except for Legacy Elves. Really, you shouldn't play because it's mostly a bad deck. What, Soul Sisters or Quest? Quest. Like, I've played Quest before, and I love Quest, and I would love for Quest to be a good deck, but it's really hard. Like, the closest I see Quest actually becoming a real deck is uh, Brian David Marshall actually put up an article today, like his article on Daily MTG. He had a pure seal paladin deck for the format rotating, and like you can kind of fit quest in there for over some of the like crappy equipment. Yeah, uh, the only way I've been able to make quest work is by just being lucky. Like I've never been able to effectively. I tried taking quest to my FNM once, and I just got rolled so bad, so bad. Because if your opponent knows you're playing quest, they know what hands to keep. And from then on, you just get rolled. The only way quest wins is by, like, pure, pure, pure surprise, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've been playing the blue-white version of it for a little bit. And uh, if people are used to playing the the pure white or the white-green version, uh, it actually does a pretty good job. Just because the counterspell backup for it answers most of the problems you have when you're fighting against decks. And it's super frustrating for a control player to, you know, get shot in the face with a counterspell when all they had in their hand to answer your deck was an Into the Royal. Yeah, I guess that works. Uh, But I will be interested to see Suture Priest in Soul Sisters because that's going to be a little scary. 
I'm not gonna lie. Um, so kind of moving on from New Phyrexia, uh, I want to take the time to do uh, kind of what our site is known for, but do some casual talk. Um, and I wanted to focus on some of our history as Magic players um, and share any... I was thinking, do we want to talk about bad beats or bad trades? Um, bad beats? Sean? Either way is fine with me. Bradley. I got plenty of both. Alright, so how about this? You can pick either a bad trade story with Sean. I'm pre- I really want to, I really want to hear your, uh, I'm going to go before you because I love your response to my bad trade story. Um. Oh, yeah. And then it can go into your rant about bad trades. So I'm going to let Lewis go first because I think he has a bad beat story. And then uh, it'll be Bradley, myself, and then you, Sean. Um, so, like, people can see, like, with with the bug video I posted, and today I was playing in Thursday and Magic. Like, I've been just, like, mana flooding. And, like, today I was in Thursday and Magic, and I had to mulligan down to four and fought back against a, a blue, black, green deck in, in Scars of Mirrodin block. And it gets to the point that, like, I can win in two turns, and he has, like, one card to my four, and he just, like, top decks a black sun zenith, top decks another black sun zenith, and then Ow! runner, runner, bomb. And then he has, like, he drops uh, Nuriak Commander, Nuriak Commander, <laughs> and then, and like it's just like land, 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 land. So like okay, that's I guess I guess you win. So it was heart wrenching, fighting back from a mental four. Ouch! That's that's just ow. <sighs> um. So. Bradley, do you have a bad beat story or a bad trade story you want to share? Oh, boy. Wow, it's been a while. Uh, I, well, I, <clears throat> I, 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 I lose more often uh, when I play because I, I, I play uh, some things that uh, even when I'm competitive maybe is... Um, when I try to be competitive, at least, it gets to be, uh, you know, good in theory. But I always, I, I, yeah, I always try to play some kind of theme or, or something like that. And when it gets at its worst, it's like uh, nothing happens. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I can't think of a specific story. It's been a long time um, uh, since, I've, since I've played. So trades-wise... I'm actually really paranoid about getting a bad trade. That I that I always ask is, am I guys? Am I getting a good deal? Like I ask around the shop, or no, I don't. First, I ask the person if they know like what the dollar values are. Then I make sure. What was a bad trade? I don't. Ah, I'm just I'm just a terrible ter- terrible replier to this to the to these ones. So that's that's uh that's my answer there. All right. So, 
this has become my infamous story between me, Lewis, and Sean, and we had a conversation about this um, uh, last week uh, when we were just kind of talking about stuff for the cast. Um, my worst trade stories revolve around pretty much getting uh, Namblood, as uh, Sean calls it, at my local Wizards of the Coast uh, store. Uh, back when I was younger, we had one in our, in our mall, and it was kind of weird and precious because it I probably would have gone into magic. Um, so what ended up happening was I was in the store, and I had a playset of Force of Wells. And, and anyone can sigh because I think most of you remember where this story's direction is going in. Um... And what ended up happening was this guy comes over and he sees the rubber band. He like I had all my cards in rubber bands, and he pulls out the four force wills and he goes, "These are awful counter spells." And I go, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "They're five. Like a counter spell is a good counter spell in my opinion. Like if it counters a spell, it's a good card." But I didn't understand how to use the second ability, and so he convinced me to trading it for anybody want to guess. Counter a trained spell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know this story. <laughs> yeah, he convinces me that I should trade them for counter spells. And I've now have found out years and years later, because I didn't I still because I wasn't playing Legacy and Force of Will wasn't in a format that I was aware of at the time, I didn't know how badly I got sharked until three years ago. When I was really starting to learn values of cards, because I used to be that kid that would just trade for whatever they needed, whether it was like, you know, like I probably would be that kid right now who trades, you know, a Lin like a Gideon for three Fauna Shamans, like two Fauna Shamans, because they just want two Fauna Shamans and would lose $19 in value because I want the two Fauna Shamans. So I was not a smart trader when I was younger. And then someone had noticed how bad of a trader I was in the following week convinced me to trade Avatar of Woe and two Chainer's Edicts for two Sky Shroud Behemoths. Uh, uh, yeah. This is making me sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate those people. Um, uh, with a fiery passion. But, um, yeah, if anyone doesn't know what Sky Shroud Behemoth is... Uh, I have to look it up again because I've blacked out. One of my friends just was an asshole and gave me a foil one to remind me how to be a good trader. Um, so now it sits in the front of my binder. But Skyshot Behemoth is a six mana creature. That's a 10-10 with fading two, which means you only get two real turns out of it and it comes into play tapped. It's such a bad card that I found out two, that I found out a year later that Inquest Gamer used it as part of its puzzle question as to how like they gave you a hand with Sky Shroud Behemoth in play and how you get um uh, and how you can get him into play and attack at the same time. Uh, so that's how bad of a card it was. And, uh, which, which leads me into, I love hearing Sean's rants about traders like this. 
Uh, do you actually want to hear my story as well? Or yeah, just your how story as well, but you're, I really want you to reproduce your – try to reproduce your rant from um, from the last time. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, yeah, traders like this, they literally just – they generally just prey on children. They walk into the shop, and they look around, and they get that greedy look in their eye like the old guy from Family Guy. Walk around. Mm-hmm. right in the corner. Hey, nice sexy teenagers over there. Hey, you got some nice cards. I got what you want. Just reach deep into my pocket. I mean, you guys are the scum <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> Literally, they're right up there with pedophiles to me. All they're doing is going in there and raping people's trade binders. And they always look for the youngest kid they possibly can. I mean, they're a game of sorry. They only play with ages 6 to 12. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate these guys. Um, which I guess will roll in, into my trade story. That's not um, even your trade story, actually. <laughs> which isn't mine. Well, it's turning into a, kind of a, a bad deal for me, but I'm fine with it because it, I, I knew it was going to be a bad deal going in to help this get out. Well, you know uh, what though? Once, once every actually, listeners, um, listen to the story. We're gonna, I'm gonna talk to you guys on the real. If you've been reading, if you've been reading Sean's articles, but we're gonna address this at the end of the cast. Okay. Um, so the, uh, the story, which if anybody's been following me on Twitter, they've probably heard me repeat it nauseum. So, uh, just last week now, go into the store, uh, playing magic for a couple hours. Uh, when this chubby bastard walks in, um, it's like, he's like the anti-Buddha. Looks kind of like Buddha, but uh, evil. So he walks in, looks around, kind of talks to everybody, but brushes off everyone's trade binder until, sure enough, he finds the youngest kid in the store, probably about 13. Kind of hard to tell. I don't check IDs. <laughs> um, at least not at the magic shop. At the bar, I'll check IDs, but not at magic. Uh <laughs> Sits down, with, sits down with the kid, uh, opens up the kid's trade binder. He's trying the the teenager, I guess, is trying to put together a, a cobblade deck, and he's completely taken apart his EDH deck to trade towards it so he can play in the next PTQ season. And uh, the anti Buddha goes through his binder and takes out all the expensive cards he can find, like foil Japanese doubling season, sword of fire and ice three maze of this, et cetera, et cetera. So the kid has a good binder, and uh, he he lays them out in front, and the kid pulls out, like, a Jace. So he, he just says, okay, I really need Jaces for my deck. And this guy goes, and he picks up each card individually, starts looking at it, like, with a magnifying glass, and, like, bending it to test if it's real, and then starts on the kid that his cards are shit, and that he doesn't even want them in his binder, because there's no way to trade them away. But I guess he could take him off his hand. But there's no way he could trade a base for him. And his volume increases so much over the next 20 minutes. Uh, they don't get any trading done. He's just yelling at the kid over time. Uh, I end up stepping in after like the third time he says there's no way I could find anybody who'd want this card. Lean over and tell the kid, all right, uh, if he doesn't want that, I want to trade it. And so I actually step into a trade, which I almost never knew. Uh, and the guy looks over at me like, what the hell does this guy have? And then continues to browbeat this kid to try to get a trade out of him. 
Uh, I step in a couple more times, and this lasts an hour that they're trying to trade. And eventually, uh, the the kid does the right thing, which is not trade at all with him. And uh, the anti-Buddha does frequent the shop. So decided, uh, went online the next day, started tweeting to everybody, and uh, just basically decided that I was going to find the cards for this kid, and I would give him uh, the fair trade for him. Uh, probably a little more than fair for him. So, uh, luckily, everybody on Twitter was amazing about it. So, what ended up starting as a horrible trade. Uh, the kids are going to get everything he needs, um, and he will not have to deal with this kind of trader, at least for another year, and hopefully by then his hormones have kicked in and he can defend himself. <laughs> All right, so is he still missing anything for this deck? Uh, not at all. He is. Uh, I found every card he needed. So he has everything. Because what I was gonna say is, if the listeners out there have any Cobblade components that they're that they're not going to mind losing a little bit of value in trades, we would really appreciate helping this kid because this brings back horrible memories for me of being sharked the shit out of. And we at Red Sight Wins want people to have fun playing Magic. Which is um, which is the whole point of magic, Sean? Uh, yeah. I was gonna say uh, with everybody I traded with, everybody was probably willing to take a uh, a hit to trade with the kid, but I made sure or tried to make sure that everyone was more than taken care of on their side of the trade. So I basically just threw in a bunch of my own stuff. All right. And about ninety ninety percent of the things that were traded actually came from me, and I'm gonna end up giving the kid a really good deal so that. Uh, the people who were willing to be helpful and friendly and help somebody out in need uh, didn't end up having to take it out of their own pocket. Okay, I just like I said, you guys have heard how how snar- how uh, sharked I've gotten in the past. So when you told me this story, I started talking to my local community, and there were a bunch of people in my community that were like, "If this kid needs a Jace, needs a." Stoneforge, like some people were digging into the back, like their back secret binders, like, hey, I have this, you know, fifth Jace that I was just going to hold on to. So, uh, I was actually going to try and get in touch with you about it. Yeah, no, actually, uh, there was more than enough people to get it taken care of. Okay. Um, I took care of a couple people in trades. Yeah, I've been waiting to get back to you about that because, like I said, I brought it up to a couple people in my store that I go to a lot, and they were just like, that's bullshit it's great to see like for every like shark that there is there's at least like a hundred people willing to help out a kid and stuff and you know i think john medina has actually helped a lot towards that where like now a lot of people are aware of what sharks are trying to do so people don't get ripped off as much it's just just great when people like try to help out the kids instead of like take their jaces for for like i was gonna say doubling season but doubling season Heat the kid already. <laughs> so, but it's, it's I, I've seen so many bad trades, and it's great when people help out. All right. Yeah, I think the amazing thing was it probably took less than 24 hours to uh, hammer out all the trades required to get this get a goblet deck. So it, it speaks tons for the community. All right. Well, um, 
for the most part, I think that's gonna be it for the cast um, this week. Uh, we are trying to get Bradley back. Uh, he is having Mike Bradley. Bradley. Alright. Um, it's, it's over. It's, it's, I, uh, we're just gonna have to, he, we're just, uh, try and see if we can fix his situation. Uh, so, uh, what I'm gonna do is, uh, I'm just gonna talk about what I'm doing this weekend. And, uh, give some shout-outs, um, and then say how you can find me on the internet, and then you guys are gonna do the same, uh, going Sean Lewis, and then that's gonna be the cast. So, this weekend, I am playing a pretty full weekend of Magic. Uh, Friday is FNM, where I will be playing my Ghetto Jonesy deck, which, for those who don't know, is, um, my Ghetto, uh, version of Jumanji. I don't run a Photo Shaman build, instead I run uh, this weird build, which uh, I'm going to forward to you guys, so I could use some last-minute uh, critiques on it. Uh, and maybe I'll talk about it on the next cast and try and see if I can get some listeners to help me out with this deck. Um, Lewis? I, I think, like, I'm I, I'm pretty sure this is this is something that wouldn't be in the list, but... Like, I think if you add some Squadron Hawks, Stoneforge, Mystic, and like some swords in there, it'd be pretty good. And if you splash blue for Jace, I think that'd be great. You could also cut out the green entirely. <sighs> Never mind. I, I, Sean, I think I'm just gonna be sending the list to you. Um, I'm, I'm also... gonna tell you to add Jace too, though. I mean, you're trying to play competitively, right? Oh God, both of you. Um, I actually have been beating some of the Jace decks in my meta with my Ghetto. Call it with my ghetto Jumanji deck. Um, Friday night, I'm also doing a midnight draft, which I'm super stoked for because we get a pre-release, we get the pre-release promo for signing up for it. So I'm probably gonna walk away this weekend with three pre-release promos, which is always sexy. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, um, I will probably. I hate you, Sean. Um. <laughs> um. I will be, uh, working on, um, I'll be working on trying to do well in the pre-releases and trying to make my, get the cards I want, um, like, you know, the Suture Priests and the Beast Muffins and trying to get as many mental missteps as possible so that I can forward them to Lewis if Lewis needs them, because I know he's looking for them too. Uh, and shout-outs. I want to shout-out you guys, uh, and the rest of the Red Sight Wins, uh, crew, because, uh, I think we're doing pretty well. And I want to give a shout-out to KYT from Mana Deprived for helping out with getting our site out there and giving me some heads-ups on, you know, how to do a good cast. Patrick Chapin for doing the interview and really just really being a super guy. And then uh, I also want to thank Chewy from the Mana Pool for being just super cool about helping us. Um with suggestions on how to run a podcast and things like that. So, uh, yeah, those are my shout-outs for this week. And, Sean, what about you? All right, uh, give a shout-out to Harris, the kid I'm helping out, to the local shop here, Drums Comics, and uh, to all the guys back in Wichita, Kansas, who uh, who helped me learn how to play Magic. All right. And to the fiancé, because if I don't, she'll beat me. 
And Lewis, what are you doing this weekend? And what's your um, what what do you? Who are your shoutouts? Um, playing FNM tomorrow, and then playing in the pre-release, and hopefully opening some decent cards. Although I know I will not, and we'll get to talk about the crap I open <laughs> on the next cast. But as far as shoutouts, um, well, like I'd give a shoutout to the whole Magic community, you know, like for showing like with helping this kid and everything and helping us with the site and with the cast just shows how great some of the people are. And yeah, of course the wife, cause well, she might kill me. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to the, like the first magic player that takes magic seriously that I've met up here in, in but fuck Egypt. <laughs> and like, he he's helped like he's actually keeping me on top of my game and helping me trade for for debt for cards and stuff. So hopefully like him and I will be at like nationals next year. Sweet. All right. Um. So without further ado, uh, that was our first uh cast. And uh, thank you guys. And uh, until next week, keep it casual.